Hello and welcome to This Is Your FBI from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. The Equitable Life Assurance Society presents This Is Your FBI. This is your FBI, the official broadcast from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, presented as a public service by the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community. On Christmas Day, Dad's reward is not measured in the neckties he receives, but rather in the smiles of love and gratitude on the faces of his wife and children. Yes, this is the season when home and family come first. Perhaps that explains why, in the Equitable Life Assurance Society, December is the number one life insurance month of the year, the month in which more fathers give their families increased protection than any other. How about it, Father? How about seeing your Equitable Life Assurance Society representative soon? There's still time to give your loved ones the finest gift of all, the gift of security through life insurance. Tonight's FBI file, The Swindling Swami. The world has entered a new era, an era to be called the Atomic Age. For man has conquered the atom and bids fair to learn every secret that's been hidden from him since the beginning of recorded time. We are the wisest people, so far as science is concerned, that the world has ever known. But for all our learning, we are still gullible. Many of us still prove the adage that there's a sucker born every minute. There is one source of learning we refuse to heed. That source is experience. Tonight's file involves a so-called fortune teller named Dr. Arthur St. Clair. His clients come from the very weary, the very nervous, and sometimes the very wealthy. He's just completing his treatment of Mrs. Harriet Brunswick, a wealthy widow. Ah. Oh, I'm afraid I'm exhausted, my dear. Oh. I can't go on. Oh, doctor. Oh, this is very tiring, you know. It requires very intense concentration. Oh, I, I know. I, I was wondering, uh, could you just tell me one more thing? Oh, uh, What? Well, you mentioned one day last week that you you might be able to communicate with my sister. Your sister? Yes. Your sister. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I feel certain that I could. Oh. If, if you want me to? Oh, oh, I do. Uh, when could you do it for me? It takes preparation. Tomorrow? Well, yes. Oh, how wonderful. Uh, same time as today, Doctor? Yes. 
Come in at three. Oh, thank you so much. It's nothing, my dear. Nothing. Until tomorrow? <laughs> Until tomorrow. Huh? Great performance. Great. Were you eavesdropping? No, I just got here in time to catch that little hand-kissing routine. I want to talk to you. What about? This. I found it in your overcoat pocket. Why, it's a scratchy... Yes, it is. And it's got the entries for today's races. Now, where in the world is that... Say that. You've got your bets marked down, and you're betting 90 bucks. Now, where did you get 90 bucks? Answer me. I, uh... Cast a check. Oh, no. Oh, now, let me explain, my dear. We just got out of New York in time to beat that last rap. But I... When we came out here and opened up this fortune-telling dodge, you promised me you wouldn't do any more check-writing. I prefer talking about more important things. This is important enough. Now, listen to me. I've got this Brunswick person ready to go. This one could be the jackpot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. now I mean it. She has asked to talk to her dear departed sister. Are you telling the truth? Margaret. All right. When do you produce her? Tomorrow. That is, if you're prepared. Listen, I know that newspaper obituary of her sister like it was my own life story. Very well, then. Get behind the curtain. What for? That would be a good idea if we had a rehearsal. You mean commune with the spirits? Yes. And if you contact anyone, find out who won the fourth race. Meanwhile, in the Los Angeles office of your FBI, Special Agent Jim Taylor is seated with colleague Bill Madison. Taylor has just received a report from FBI headquarters in Washington. Bill, I've got a surprise for you. What's that, Jim? What do you think is in Los Angeles? Well? An old friend, Arthur St. Clair. King Arthur, the bad check man? That's right. St. Clair wrote a bad check that was passed at the Hotel Wollaston. Handwriting matched perfectly, according to this report, headquarters. King St. Clair. How long has it been since we missed him in New York? Oh, almost a year now. Wasn't he traveling with a woman in the East? Yes, a woman he introduced as his wife. Have we got a description of her in the office? Yes, we've got that circular New York sent out on him last year. When did he pass that check at the hotel? Let's see. Uh, uh, here it is. Two weeks ago today. Hmm. How did the hotel happen to cash it? St. Clair had a counterfeit credit card. Oh. Bill's car outside? Yes, right in front of the building. Why? Let's take a little ride. Maybe we can get a lead on St. Clair over at the hotel. Spirit of Ella Brooks, come in. Spirit of Ella Brooks, come in. Holding your hand like this, Doctor. That's fine. 
spirit of Ella Brooks come in. Captain. Yes, sir. Something I can do for you? Here are my credentials. Huh? Federal Bureau of... Hey, you're a G-man, huh? That's right. Would you please take a look at this picture on the circular here? Tell us whether you know this man or woman. Uh-huh. I, uh, don't know the woman. But you recognize the man? Yeah, that's Dr. St. Clair. Please. 
What do you know about him? Nothing much. He came in here one day and he wanted to make a bet on a couple of horses. Yes. So I introduced him to a bookmaker who hangs around here. Is the uh, bookmaker around here now? No, sir. The manager found out about him last week and threw him out. I see. Well, I wanted to find out where St. Clair was living. Well, I know how you might be able to get his address. Oh, how? Well, sometimes the doctor used to go out to the track, and he used to take that racetrack cab that runs from in front of the hotel. Uh-huh. Sometimes the cab would pick him up at home. Do you know this cab driver? Uh-huh. His name is Al West, and he'll be here tonight at 8. So will I. Let's hope Mr. West has a good memory. Dr. Sinclair speaking. Hello, dear. Oh, my dear Harriet. Have you... Have you decided? Yes. Which? I'll marry you. Wonderful. Uh, let us run away, then, tonight. All right, dear. Uh, you wait at home. Yes. And I'll call you when I'm ready to leave. I'll be waiting. Goodbye. Goodbye, my love. I <coughs> Oh, hello, Margaret. Don't throw that phony charm at me. I was listening to your phone call on the extension. Eavesdropping again, eh? Now, look. Shut up and sit down. Margaret. If you've got any idea that you'd like to run barefoot over that same bank book, I've got some news for you. Our original deal still goes. We cut everything right down the middle. I'm just trying to make a score for us. I wouldn't believe you if you told me my name was Margaret. What are you going to do now? I'm going to call your girlfriend and tell her you can't make it. Put down that phone. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Hello? Hello, darling. I'll be over in ten minutes. Turn in just a moment to tonight's file, which shows how your FBI promotes security for the nation. Now, a word to fathers about security for the family. Father, imagine for a moment that you're on the witness stand, waiting to be cross-questioned. In just a few seconds, we're going to shoot a tough question at you. It's a question that nine fathers out of ten spend most of their life dodging, a fact that most heads of the families don't like to face. Here it is. If you should die, how would your family get through the critical years before the youngest child finished high school? How long would your wife and children continue to be well-fed, well-housed, and well-clothed? Yes, how long can they get along without the breadwinner? Isn't it about time you stop dodging that issue, Father? Isn't it about time for you to face the truth? To help you do just that, the Equitable Life Assurance Society has prepared a special fact-facing chart for fathers which has these three advantages. First, its simplicity itself. You can fill it out in five minutes flat. Second, you are guided every step of the way by easy-to-understand pictures which illustrate the unavoidable expenses your family will have to meet. Third, 
When you're finished with this fact-facing chart, you'll have a clear, accurate, and complete picture of just what income your family would need during the critical years. Hey, that's something that not one father in a hundred knows. Where do I get one of these fact-facing charts, and how much does it cost? Why, it doesn't cost a cent. The Equitable Society representative in your community will be glad to bring you a copy of this fact-facing chart. Phone him tomorrow, or send a postcard care of this station to the Equitable Society. That's E-Q-U-I-T-A-B-L-E. The Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. And now back to the FBI file, The Swindling Swami. Each of us has in him certain desires for things which we do not as yet have the good fortune to possess. When the power of those desires to affect our life is kept within bounds, they add up to a characteristic known as ambition. But when the hopes and desires swell up and overpower us, then they become classified as greed. With ambition, any of us can achieve a measure of greatness, for there is greatness within the grasp of every one of us. But when greed takes the upper hand... Then we start on the road to becoming a criminal. For greed in itself violates a law. An ancient law which says, Thou shalt not covet. Tonight's file continues in the Los Angeles field office of your FBI. Special Agent Jim Taylor has just returned from his trip to the Hotel Wollaston. Hello, Jim. Get anything? Yes, I think so. Oh, did I receive a phone call in the last couple of minutes? No. Who are you expecting to call? The bell captain at the Hotel Wollaston. Didn't you get to see him? Yes, but a cab driver named Al West is going to give him some information to pass on to us. Who's Al West? Well, he's picked St. Clair up at his home a couple of times. I'll get it. Taylor speaking. Hello, Mr. Taylor. This is George. Oh, yes, George. What did West tell you? He said that he used to drop Dr. St. Clair off when I came home from the track at this address. 797 Mount Hope Avenue. 797 Mount Hope Avenue. That's right. Thanks, George. Come on, Bill. We've got St. Clair's address. Arthur, my dear, are you happy? Supremely. Harriet, hmm? how did you happen to pick Sunbeam Manor for our honeymoon, dear? Oh, I was just looking through that magazine at the apartment, and I liked the picture so much, I tore out the ad and decided we just had to go there. <laughs> <laughs> Arthur. Yes, dear? Uh, uh, could I ask something of you? Name it, my love. Well, I'd like to speak to my sister Ella again. Hmm. Uh... That will be difficult. No. I don't think I'll be able to get her voice up here in these mountains. Uh, but tell me. Yes? Do you remember Ella's handwriting? Oh, uh, not too well. Why? 
When we get to the hotel, I just might be able to get Ella to write you a note. Hey, Bill. Yes? See that woman just coming out of that house? Well? Doesn't she look like St. Clair's wife? Hey, you're right. Come on, let's stop her. Okay. Mrs. St. Clair. Um, yes? Well, Mrs. St. Clair, we're looking for your husband. Well, so am I. He knocked me cold and ran out on me. Wait a minute. Who are you? We're from the FBI. FBI? Oh. You know where he went? <sighs> well, I might as well tell you. He was going to pick up some dame and elope with her. But aren't you two married? Sure, but that ain't going to stop Arthur. Where did he go? Maybe we can head him off. Well, you'll have to hurry. He went from here to her apartment at 1400 North Dover Boulevard. What was the woman's name? Mrs. Harriet Brunswick. And when you catch him, you can give Arthur a message from me. Yes, what is it? You can tell him I always knew he liked horses, but I never thought he'd elope with one. Yes, dear? Now that we're all settled, would you mind terribly? Would I mind what? Trying to get that note from Sister Ella. Oh, of course not. Uh, Wait till I get my slate. Oh, can you get the note with that? Of course. Now, uh, let's see what Sister Ella has to say. Hmm? Uh, Sit right here. Uh, Thank you. Now, uh, you must concentrate. Yes, I will. I'm beginning to see writing on the slate. Oh, Arthur, what what does it say? And I can't quite make it out yet. Ella never did have a good handwriting. Oh, there, there. I have it now. She thinks we ought to get a home in the country. That's just like Ella. She never could stand the city. She... Oh, it's fading now, my dear. And I'm afraid that'll be all I can get today from Ella. Oh, Arthur. Well, that was grand. Say... What? Do you remember those cottages we passed on the road? Yes. But why don't I go down and see how much they want for one? Oh, yes. Oh, my dear, I'm so sorry. No. I just remembered something. I... (laughs) I came away from the house so quickly, I forgot to bring any cash. Oh, that's <laughs> all right. You go find the cottage, and by the time you're packed, I'll have arranged with a hotel to get all the cash we need. Darling, you think of everything. Jim. Jim. Oh, I'm in here, Bill. Is this Mrs. Brunswick's apartment? That's right. How'd you get in? Superintendent opened the door for me. Did you find anything? Well, I've just been going through this desk. What are those papers? Bills, a grocery, department store, and one from a garage. I'm going to call them now. The garage? Yes. Oh, St. Clair was here all right. How do you know? The circular on St. Clair said that he smoked a special brand of Turkish cigarettes. There's some stubs of that brand in that ashtray over there. I see. Hello? Hello. Uh, North Street Garage? Yeah? 
This is Special Agent Taylor of the FBI. Do you have a car there belonging to a Mrs. Brunswick? He took it out. Could you give me the license number of that car, please? Don't know it. Well, do you know the make? 46 Caddy. Mm-hmm. Have you any idea where she was going? He said to get it ready for a long trip. I see. Well, thank you very much. Well, it wasn't much. Cars out. All the attendant knew was the woman is prepared to go on a long trip. I think I have an idea where she might be going. Really? Yes. Come here a minute, Jim. I want you to take a look. Harriet. Harriet, darling. I found the most beautiful cottage. Costs only 10,000 cash and... Harriet... You've been crying. Oh, Arthur, how could you? How could I walk my life? Arthur, while I was downstairs, I bought this paper with your picture on the front page. Oh, Arthur. Here, let me see that. Why, I'll sue them for every penny they've got, my dear. It's all a pack of lies. Did you get the money from the hotel? I did, but I'm not going to give it to you. Why not? Well, I'm, I'm afraid that story is true. Look, you've got to give me the money. No, Arthur. Give it to me, I said. No, you let go of me. You let go Take your hands off, huh? St. Clair. Who are you? Well, from the FBI, St. Clair. I should have known she'd call you. Well, Mrs. Brunswick didn't call us, but she did lead us here. Well, what do you mean? Well, that ad for this hotel that you tore out of the travel magazine, Mrs. Brunswick... We just checked with a new copy of the same magazine and found out what was missing. You're a real genius. Oh, no, I'm not a genius, St. Clair. I'm not even a good fortune teller. But I can read your future. What's that? You're going to take a trip, and you'll be away for a long, long time. Arthur St. Clair was tried and convicted for his crimes and was sentenced to a long term at a federal penitentiary. His original wife, Margaret, was turned over to local authorities for complicity in his crime. You've often heard that crime does not pay. And while there are no truer words in the English language, the criminal does not always pay immediately. Sometimes, and is in tonight's case from the files of your FBI, he escapes punishment at first. But that is no escape. For neither your FBI nor any other law enforcement agency admits defeat. Their business is catching criminals. And they perform their duties 24 hours a day, every day in the year. Though he may gain a momentary advantage at first, the criminal soon learns the inherent truth of the adage that crime does not pay. In just a moment, we'll tell you about next week's exciting case from the official files of your FBI. But first... Let me answer a question. When the breadwinner of a family dies, what are the critical years for his wife and children? The critical years are the years before the youngest child finishes high school. Years in which the home must be kept together. To help you estimate just what income your family would need during those critical years, the Equitable Life Assurance Society has prepared a special fact-facing chart for fathers. 
your Equitable Society representative will be glad to bring you a copy of this fact-facing chart. Phone him tomorrow or send a postcard care of this station to the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. Next week, we will bring you another colorful story from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Little Tough Guy. The incidents used in tonight's Equitable Life Assurance Society broadcast are adapted from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. However, all names used are fictitious, and any similarity thereof to the names of persons living or dead is accidental. Tonight, the music was composed and conducted by Frederick Steiner. The author was Jerry D. Lewis, and your narrator was Dean Carlton. This is your FBI, is a Jerry Devine production. This is Milton Cross speaking for the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community and inviting you to tune in again next week at this same time when the Equitable Life Assurance Society will bring you another thrilling story from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, Little Tough Guy, on This Is Your FBI. This is the American Broadcasting Company.